Hi, Basil. It's great to speak to you on the topic of post-market surveillance. I've got quite a number of questions for you on this important topic for the MDR and indeed the IVDR as well. So my first question is, what is post-market surveillance and how does it differ from vigilance and why is it important in the product life cycle? Thank you, Amanda, for interviewing me about this topic. And I think what is important is to look to post-market surveillance as actually a beneficial part of a regulated field. Why? So post-market surveillance is actually everything that I do after uh, getting a product into the market. So it's not just for medical devices or IVDs. Everyone does actually post-market surveillance. If post-market surveillance is actually learning after placing a product on the market, whether the product is safe and performing as intended. And you learn also the customer view and feedback, enabling you to react and enabling you to continuously improve your products. So learning after getting a device on the market, how is the device in reality uh, working? What is the difference to vigilance, you ask? I, I think vigilance, when we have a vigilance case, then it is actually going in the wrong direction. To say it in a lay way for people to understand what I mean with that. If there is something which went wrong, so for example, a patient is injured or you have a case where you potentially have a user who got like uh, uh, negatively impacted by that product, then you get to a vigilance case because it's becoming critical and then you have a vigilance case where you're going to be involving also authorities. Uh, you're going to be reacting to, to report that to make sure that there is a better control about the situation in the impacted markets. So this is where from your post-market surveillance activities, you recognize that there's something going wrong and then you start reacting to it by applying your post-market surveillance method. Actually, both of them are measures to ensure that products entering to the market are continuously safe, performing as intended. And in case there is a signal on the market, you are identifying that signal early and reacting to that signal by applying the effective measures that you have established as an organization. That's a great distinction between the two. And I think that helps set the scene for us to continue now to talk about post-market surveillance. Post-market surveillance is a broad concept. So what does it encompass in the context of the MDR and the IVDR in terms, for example, of post-market clinical follow-up, post-market performance follow-up for IVDs, registries and that type of thing? This is a very good point. So let me start with the basic. So what, what is the difference between the old system and the new system? So let's start with post-market surveillance basic requirements. In the past, I was, as you know, working for a notified body uh, at that time. A lot of discussion were happening between notified bodies, manufacturers, because notified bodies were asking manufacturer want to have active post-market surveillance. The manufacturers were saying, where is this written? How is this addressed? Now with the regulation, we have it black on white. The regulation is saying manufacturers need to have active and systematic post-market surveillance throughout the entire lifetime of the product. What does it mean active and systematic? For the first, when you read it, you're just like, what, what do they want to do? Active and systematic means that you need to know actually what kind of data you need to collect from the market. You need to have a plan and then you need to systematically collect those data from the market by being active and not just reacting to complaints. So this means you're going to implement measures that you are getting data, that you are able to get data. 
whereas in the past, most of the manufacturer were relying on complaints management, which means just the complaints that were getting from the market were used to say whether the device is safe or performing well. This is now with the regulation enforced to be much more activities that the manufacturer should be doing to collect data from the market to understand their products much better, to understand also the customer voice, uh, which is here the patient or the user who is the professional user who would be giving them insight about safety, about performance, about improvement potentials, and so on with regard to the product or with regard to the supply chain. So what is uh, with the MDR and the IVDR different as well, next to what I just mentioned? So from the idea, both regulations do not differ from each other. Both regulations introduce the same requirement. They have just some specificity which are connected to the type of products that you are dealing with under the regulation. What I mean with is like in, under the medical device sector, you speak about clinical performance, whereas with the IVDs, you speak about performance evaluation because those are like uh, the ways how you're going to be evaluating the devices because they are like diagnostic, whereas here you are dealing with uh, devices which are perhaps mm, replacing an anatomy in the human body. And therefore, you're going to have clinical endpoints which you can measure, whereas for diagnostic devices, you're going to be looking into the accuracy of the diagnosis that you are conducting and so on, which is based on performance data. And what is the regulation in general introducing to us? So we have the post-market surveillance, which is actually the big picture, which means everything that you do on a post-market level, collecting customer feedback, as I mentioned, or dealing with, let's say, corrective and preventive measures, or monitoring, let's say, social media, monitoring your supply chain, everything could be post-market surveillance. And one piece of it is as well the post-market clinical follow-up or post-market performance follow-up, which are additional, let's say, specific elements in the the post-market surveillance system in general. And in this part with the post-market clinical follow-up or post-market performance follow-up, it's a focus on the clinical or the performance requirements. So what does it mean? I mentioned at the beginning, post-market surveillance need to be running over the entire lifetime. When we look to post-market clinical follow-up, for example, it's saying that the manufacturer need to do that throughout the expected lifetime of the device. What does it mean in lay language? Because sometimes those, let's say, professional regulatory words are confusing. Expected lifetime. I, get, I take an example of a hip implant. So when a manufacturer of a hip implant designed that hip implant, he designed it by considering state of the art and what is the current accepted state of the art with regard to safety and performance. And one of these parameters would be when they design it, they need to know for how long I'm designing that device. So how long will it stay in the body safe and performing well? So they define expected lifetime based on the current knowledge, let's say, take an example to say they define it to be 20 years because it is the current state of the art. 20 years is expected lifetime. Now, when they get to the market, nobody's going to expect any manufacturer to do a study for 20 years before entering the market because this would mean that you will not get innovation on time to the market and patient cannot be treated. So you take a balanced approach where you say, I look to the device that it is safe and performing well in a period of one, two years, depending on what is the device and the endpoints that you're going to be looking to. And then from a post-market clinical follow-up requirement, you will be looking to confirm safety performance of that device over that expected lifetime, which is defined 20 years. And therefore, you would need to do additional measures where you collect data to show that the 20 years expected lifetime is supported by evidence on safety and performance. How is this done? You mentioned registry. I think for every device, because a medical device or an IVD, they are not the same from their lifetime, expected lifetime. They are not the same from their characteristics from the questions which are connected with them. So you have devices which are, let's say, short-term usage, which are done in 
half an hour. Some of them are long-term usage. So the post-market clinical follow-up depends on actually what are the residual questions which need to be addressed with regard to safety and performance over a period of time. And what are the additional questions that you get from your post-market surveillance signals, perhaps, because where you could get a signal which would tell you you need to study it better. And then you need to decide, okay, for that purpose, what would be the best activities that I can apply to get data systematically addressing the post-market requirements. So which could be a registry, which could be a study, which could be a survey, which could be also a retrospective study, questionnaire, all of these activities could be possible. The MDR and IVDR, if you look to the wording, you will say actually this is a copy paste of regulation, which are just replacing some words with to be more specific. But if we take the example of the MDR on PMCF, in Annex 14, Part B, it is mentioned that you have three types of PMCF, and this is where sometimes manufacturers do not recognize. The one part is a general part, which is applicable for all devices. So they say, when you do post-market, you need to monitor, for example, literature. You need to understand customer feedback, which was in the past post-market surveillance. Then they say you need to have a specific PMCF, and the specific PMCF depends on whether you have clinical questions to be addressed. So if you have a device where you have all kind of clinical data on safety and performance and you didn't change the design and your data address the expected lifetime, then you can justify that you don't need to do a specific PMCF anymore because you know what you should know. And in case you get a signal, then you need to collect it. But there is one third part, which is sometimes not seen. The regulation require manufacturer to look not just to their device, but also to similar devices or to equivalent devices. So if they follow the equivalency like they were doing in the past, they should be monitoring the equivalent device. And if they do not follow equivalency, they need to follow also similar devices that they have identified for their device. And this is like uh, the situation which is uh, leading manufacturer to a lot of efforts because all what I just mentioned, again, is connected to the risk class of the device and the requirement with the MDR and the IVDR put the manufacturer under the uh, responsibility to collect data and to create reports either on an annual basis or biennial basis which will be actually summarizing the output of their activities. And this forced them to be systematically collecting and analyzing data regularly for a specific type of device. Thank you very much, Basil. Yes, it's really fascinating to hear how multi-layered post-market surveillance is and to hear about the length of time that it has to be carried out for, as well as the similarities and differences between the MDR and the IVDR. My next question is, for a company, how big are the demands of post-market surveillance in terms of time, manpower, infrastructure and cost according to the risk class of a product that we were addressing before, and whether it is a medical device or an IVD? The post-market surveillance is is an obligation and it is uh, an essential obligation, as I mentioned at the very beginning, for every manufacturer. So everyone needs to have a post-market surveillance system established. It's an integral part of the quality management system. So regardless if you are medical device or IBD sector, you need to have that in place. Now, how big are the efforts? Now, it depends on your portfolio, how big it is. It depends also on the amount of sales that you are creating, because if you, you are an organization who has like uh, 100,000 devices, then your post-market will be really a big blown team because there is a lot of information that you're going to be collecting because for each device, you need to have a specific PMS plan 
And based on that PMS plan, you need to have your activities. So one point is actually the number of devices, which kind of impacts an amount of efforts that you need. The other point, which is also important, is also your, your presence, because post-market surveillance is not just a European requirement, it's a global requirement. So this kind of influence also how much efforts you're going to need to have as a manufacturer. So how are you globally present with your product? The other point, which is also important, is like you mentioned, the classification of the device, because high-risk devices are connected with more actually complaints, more post-market activities. And when you go up in the risk, then the reporting will be done much more frequently than when you are lower risk. And uh, this is, again, regardless if you are IVD or medical device, it's always the same criteria that you have to apply. And then an additional measure, which is essential, is actually the policy of the company. Like, you know, I mean, even in, in consumer products, some companies want more uh, to get data about the product, then they would be blowing up this post-market surveillance system much bigger. Some others, they just do the minimum. But if you take to it on how much effort it is, it's always connected to all of these criteria, which I mentioned, but it will cost manufacturers nearly two to 5% of actually their total revenue per year on post-market surveillance activities. And this is like just a general assumption. But if you go into the details, then you're gonna recognize that a small manufacturer like uh, even if you have a one uh, person manufacturer, they still have to have a post-market surveillance requirement to be met. This one person manufacturer or two person manufacturer depends on how big is the organization. They need to dedicate a big piece of their time to deal with post-market surveillance activities to ensure that the organization is functioning, the quality management system is functioning and to ensure continuous improvement process because post-market surveillance is a process which is feeding back into my risk management, which is feeding back into R&D, marketing, clinical. It's actually my signal from the market which allow me to keep improving my product, to keep customer satisfaction high and so on, which allow me as an organization to stay present and accepted on the market. And this is a very key. And this is why organization need to spend dedicated efforts actually that to be able to meet the requirement and to allow also continuous improvement. That's interesting, particularly what you were saying, that it's a signal from the market to keep improving your product uh, and to keep present and accepted on the market. I like that summary. One, one important point, and I think this is like a lot of people do not recognize it, but you, you can see it from a lot of consumer examples. A lot of organizations, and I'm not talking just about medical device or uh, IVD, they do not listen to their customer. They do not listen to their customer feedback. And you recognize over the time that they disappear from the market. A lot of products, if you look to post-market signals, it doesn't matter if you have like a negative signal or not. Sometimes when you look to your sales, you need to ask yourself why you suddenly got down from that top sales to that lower sales. What happened? Sometimes, depending on the product type that you are buying, the product will not be connected with people will not complain because they say, you know what, I will not buy it anymore. Same thing when you go to a restaurant, if they will treat you badly, you will say some people would complain. Some other would say, I would never go back to this restaurant. And therefore, this restaurant will close after a period of time. This is why it is very essential to listen to the voice of customer, even if it's positive. You need to understand if it's positive, how you can make it much better, because there are things which are actually appreciated by your customers and potentially you are not doing this intentionally. So if you get that feedback, then you know where is actually the interest of your customer. And this is where you can put your efforts. And this is sometimes where people do not understand the value of post-market surveillance and they feel that post-market surveillance is just to make 
regulatory body happy and is actually for you as an organization key for your continuous improvement. Could you please provide a few examples and details about how companies face these demands? So first of all, the post-market obligation of MDR and IVDR are already in place since uh, date of application. So this is where it starts. I give you bad examples and give you good examples. Uh, so some companies, they, when they saw that, they said, OK, we take the requirement, we put it as it is in our process, then uh, we make the regulatory body happy. So they didn't get the message why you should do it. So they saw it as actually just a reaction to a regulatory body. So we just satisfy them by implementing a quality management system and have that actually addressing what the regulation is telling me. So they didn't define how they're going to do it. They just define those are the obligations which we are required to meet. And this is our process. So we have a process in place. Some other manufacturers uh, who were actually looking to the MDR already early in the stage, they recognized the benefit of it early and they said, OK, we need to, to take an approach for long term and we need to make sure that we are able to meet all of these obligations, but we get the benefit out of it. So let's structure ourselves to get more data for the future and build for our organization a registry where we can, for every device that we are placing on the market, collect data which are used not just to fulfill regulatory obligations, but are used for various, let's say, uh, activities, such as you mentioned competition, to see how is your our presence on the market, to look to potential also improvements and to learn more about our products, to see the correlation between our product and, and clinical procedure. So people started to think, how can we make benefit out of that? And then they said, OK, and then on top of this, we can learn more about our product uh, systematically over the long term and do not just rely on our complaints data so we can validate our complaints data. So you see a lot of organization could think differently. So some people will take it as a legal obligation. Some other will take it as an opportunity to develop data. Some other organizations as well who didn't build registries, they said, OK, we're going to start doing post-market clinical follow-up studies. And we know that our products are actually performing well on the market, but we use that opportunity because we are expected to deliver much more systematic data and do studies which allow us to show that our device is much better than other devices on the market, which allow us also to publish information which would put our competition as well under a question mark with regard to their products. Now, some of these activities would lead to a positive effect, but they could be also to the disadvantage of the manufacturer because they assume that they are better, but then with the studies they recognize they are worse, then they are in trouble. But this kind of activities happened already, and this is the approach where some manufacturers are taking. But if you ask me where is the majority, the majority is actually on, we do this to fulfill the regulatory requirements. The minority is actually seeing the value of the post-market surveillance activities. The problem which is connected with non-balanced approach is the fact that this new thinking is happening in a period where resources are becoming limited and obligations are getting much quicker expected and therefore people are just trying to do their best now for an immediate measure. But I think if they're going to start seeing the benefit out of it, of real-world evidence, of registries, of big data, then, then the value will start to be much more visible for them and they're going to apply also this approach, which I was mentioning for the minority of manufacturers. So my next question is, how different is the approach likely to be between a small or medium-sized manufacturer and a large manufacturer in terms of their post-market surveillance? If if they had products of a similar risk class. 
Uh, let me start with pieces of the, the organization. You said big manufacturer, small manufacturer. Mm. The biggest burden is always when you have like a big manufacturer, you have the roles and the responsibilities distributed over multiple teams. So it becomes also a lot of administrative task behind it because teams need to work together and it becomes a very complex process. A small manufacturer cannot afford these activities, so they keep it simple and easy to avoid any, let's say, a blowing of requirements. So they keep it very simple, easy, straightforward. The big manufacturer may be also looking on their global presence and they may be looking on combining the post-market activity to address global presence in a way which becomes very complex. So they can do that because this is what they are looking for. So this is also influencing their system and this becomes actually a very complex way of doing things. Now, a big manufacturer may say, I see the benefit of these studies for the or these registries for the various, organ, uh, let's say, global market. And they may blow it and make a study which is not necessary for, let's say, for that country perhaps, but they do it in such a big way because they look to the big picture. Whereas a small manufacturer would say, I can't afford all of these activities. I just focus on what is the main obligations that I have to fulfill. So they keep it simple and small. The big manufacturer may do it in a very big way. And this leads to a discrepancy, which doesn't mean that any of them is wrong. So they have different intention, different focus. Now, from a small manufacturer, a big factor which plays always a role is also the budget. How much can I do in which period of time? I mean, if you take a class three manufacturer, implantable manufacturer who is like a startup and is expected to do studies, they need to have like the budget for it. So a study is not something that you, you do like it's not a small investment, it's a big investment that you do. And you need to have like the ability to do that. A big manufacturer may not care about that. I mean, the budget is important for them as well. But this budget discussion that the small manufacturer is discussing with regard to a specific product is perhaps for the big one, uh, peanuts, and it's not a discussion point. Perhaps this one is talking about 1 million investment, but this one is talking about 10 million investment. So you see the difference where you would say, okay, it's a different discussion that we are dealing with at this moment. Now, in general, I saw in my experience at the notified body, small manufacturer doing a job sometimes much better than big ones. Why? Because they could not afford the mistake. Whereas I saw also some big manufacturer doing very good jobs. So it's not like always this way or that way. So I saw both kind of activities from the various manufacturers. What I recognize over my time at the notified body is that small manufacturers are in a lot of cases very limited on connection to the market, very limited in their budgeting abilities, the resources to deliver that kind of structured activity like a big one. This is a problem which I, I saw with small manufacturers. But in general, you can see a lot of small or mid-sized manufacturers with very competent people that do the job very thoroughly and very in a very good way. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that the small and medium-sized manufacturers are not severely disadvantaged compared to the, the big manufacturers and that it is such an individual decision among the manufacturers. They, they, there is no disadvantage by regulation. And this is where, where you need to think about the strategies that you're going to be following as an organization to meet the requirements. You need to understand, first of all, the requirement. You need to have the capacity, the resources. And the regulation says as well that the post-market activities that you should be doing should be proportionate to the risk connected to the device and to its characteristic. And this is how you need to structure yourself. And if you are overdoing, nobody's going to say anything. If you are not doing the requirement, then you're going to get a nonconformity. Turning now to how big the post-market surveillance oversight role is for notified bodies and for competent authorities, would you like to comment on that? 
what is the role of notified bodies? So first of all, uh, the European system differ from other markets in the fact that in Europe, when you get a product certified by a notified body, it's always a limited certification of maximum five years. So notified bodies are not just involved in the approval, so in the certification process, they are involved later as well in the post market because they're going to do surveillance activities on devices that they have certified during audit activities. And in this period, they're going to be looking on also post-market surveillance signals from the market. They're going to be looking to reportable events, incidents. They're going to see how the manufacturer is dealing with that. They're going to be looking also to corrective and preventive measures of the manufacturers with regard to whatever they have identified. So they do this on an annual basis when they audit the manufacturers. There is an other aspect which is also to be considered under the directive as well under the regulation, the notified bodies. When there is a vigilance case or there is field safety notice, field safety correction, Active actions, which is reported to an authority, the notified body will be involved in that process. So they're going to be informed and they take the relevant measures. So for example, when a manufacturer report to an authority and the notified body get that feedback, the notified body will be interacting with the manufacturer to understand what happened, to see how they reacted to it. Even so, it is actually reportable to the authority. The notified body will do deal with that in parallel because the authority typically will go to the notified body and ask them also questions. Therefore, they will be actually, the three parties will be working with each other to solve that issue. It is not publicly seen, but it is behind the scene. Authority and notified body will be speaking to each other. Manufacturer and notified body will be speaking with each other and manufacturer and authority will be speaking with each other. This is how the process will be happening. And based on that, all three parties are involved in the post-market as well in the vigilance uh, situation. Now, an authority in Europe, we have the market surveillance authorities. They are responsible actually for signals on the market. So when there is a vigilance case, like you said, incidents happening or when there is signal on the markets that uh, need a reaction, they are the only authorities that have the ability to force a manufacturer to do a recall. A notified body is not allowed to request a recall. A notified body would, would challenge that the manufacturer is compliant and can suspend or withdraw a certificate. The recall has to be initiated by the manufacturer or requested by an authority because those are the surveillance authorities that can deal with that. Now, market surveillance authorities, they have also an additional obligation because they survey also class one devices without a notified body. And they have also that obligation. So they have next to their obligation on surveying the vigilance cases on the market, field safety notice, field safety corrective actions. They have an obligation towards class one manufacturers because they have to monitor those manufacturers like a notified body is monitoring the manufacturer who requires the involvement of a notified body. Now, this happens since they are lower risk. The audit doesn't happen every year. It happens based on either for a reason or when the authority schedule would allow. So they're going to define when they're going to visit those manufacturers, but they don't do it every year. So you don't see sometimes some manufacturer when I speak to class one, they never saw an authority before. It could happen. So this is like a situation like that because it's a lower risk and they're Therefore, the notified bodies are with a higher risk and therefore they will be much more doing an intensive monitoring. Now, I spoke about the audit with the MDR and the IVDR. There is an additional obligation because market surveillance as well as notified bodies will be involved in the periodic safety update report review, which will happen either annually or biennially, depending on the risk class. And this will be also available for the authorities over UDAMET in the future, which we are still awaiting. So uh, hopefully we have it already in pieces, but the puzzle is not complete yet. So when it's complete, then everyone will be able to, to have a look on that.
just to clarify that Udemed is the European medical device database that's yes. being upgraded at the moment and which we're still waiting for. Given your notified body experience, what would you say are the most common failures in terms of manufacturers, post-market surveillance preparedness? And what would your top three tips be to avoid this? Looking back to my notified body experience as well now, as when I'm dealing with the various manufacturers, the biggest mistake is always relying on complaints data. So seeing complaints data as the only measure to collect data. The other problem which I saw is actually manufacturer creating a post-market surveillance plan for every device falling under one single plan. It doesn't make sense because then you can't put a syringe with a heart valve with a hip implant and you say, I have one plan fits all, it doesn't work. The third part, which is key, which I saw in some, let's say, cases in the past, that the signals are not reviewed thoroughly and not evaluated with regard to their impact on the product in a systematic way. This is a problem which I saw in my experience uh, over the past years when I was dealing with manufacturers. Now, looking to my recommendation for the future, so I just gave now some examples on problems which I saw as a notified body expert at that time. But if I look to, to the future, I think manufacturers need to, to take a step back, look to their product, understand their products, and build a post-market surveillance plan, including post-market clinical follow-up or post-market performance follow-up plan, which is dedicated for that type of product by considering what are the questions which I need to address. And they need to, to see that as a benefit for their organization. And they need to build the link between their post-market surveillance activities, their instruction for use, and their risk management to make sure that what they are doing is systematically done and it is connected to, to a justified reason for that activity. Not just doing something without knowing why they are doing that. So sometimes people are initiating activities just to say we have a report at the end. But you need to do the right thing. You need to ask the right question. It doesn't bring you an add value if you just have a report at the end, which is not providing any answer to any question which is regulatory-wise required. Additional point which is essential, I think, and this is my recommendation. If a manufacturer complaints are good, they are important, giving us also some clarity on signals on the market. But complaints alone are not sufficient. And therefore, you need to think about how you collect complaints and what additional measures can be used today, which help you get a signal next to the complaint in a much faster and much better way. Because today we are in a different world. We are today acting in a digital world where a lot of data are coming from social media. You see people complaining in social media. You see uh, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, you see people talking about things. You see also publications happening all over the globe where information are published, uh, newsletters, uh, newspapers, a lot of things which are including some issues. You need to think differently. So don't focus on your traditional old methods. Start thinking in a different way on how data can be collected much more efficiently. And if you are doing post-market clinical follow-up studies or doing post-market clinical follow-up activities such as registries, survey, and so on. Look to the big picture. Don't focus just on, oh, this notified body asked me this question. Let's do it for them and make them happy. No, look to the big picture. Where do I need to do what? And how can I get the benefit of what I'm doing? 
So instead of just doing it to, to satisfy a question which was raised to you by any regulatory body, if it's a notified body, FDA or other countries, think about a strategy which is enabling you as an organization proactively to collect data which are used later for your marketing strategy, for your approval in other markets and so on. This would allow you to be much efficient and much better by doing your post-market activities. So it's very clear that it's definitely not a tick box exercise at all. On to my next question. Can a manufacturer outsource post-market surveillance? And if so, what would be the advantages and disadvantages? You can outsource a lot of things as an organization, but what you can't outsource is the responsibility. So if you outsource, let's say, uh, post-market surveillance, you need to ensure that you have actually everything under your control at the end, because at the end, you as an organization, you need to react to the signals. You have the legal responsibility for your devices that you are placing on the market. So you can get some external resources supporting you, collecting the data, but at the end, you need to sign off on what the data are providing you. You need to have control because it's a critical process. A manufacturer could be one single organization, one single person sitting there, subcontracting all the activities to everyone. And then that single person will need to take responsibility for what is happening because at the end, you're going to be declaring conformity. You need to make sure that everything which is placed on the market is in compliance with the applicable requirement. And if something happens, you are responsible. Therefore, it is key to consider whatever you are doing, delegating the activity to external or keeping this internal, that has to happen under a controlled measure. And turning now to how big the potential role of artificial intelligence is in post-market surveillance, is artificial intelligence of equal value for PMS to small and large manufacturers? AI is becoming active everywhere. We see AI used for the different purposes. Limitation which we are getting nowadays as expert in the various fields is actually the time which is missing for us. We don't have the time, we don't have the resources to be able to cope with all of these expectations on us. AI is an alternative solution which allow us to deliver the same output like 10 persons with one mouse click, perhaps. Such a situation allow us to reduce a lot of efforts and to put the focus of our expert on the final approval, perhaps, of the reports that is created by AI. And the efforts will be created at the beginning because AI is, a lot of people think AI, if I have an AI system, I have everything established, I don't have to do anything. You need to train a system to become intelligent. So uh, the word AI, artificial intelligence, is connected actually with the training of a system so you need to educate your system by giving at the beginning a lot of efforts, and then the system will be delivering for you then the output as you train that system. So this is why it's not just like a replacement, it's actually educating towards benefiting long-term from the output of what you have trained. And then you have it in a system where you get by mouse click, you get the information which allow you to reduce the efforts on the resources and putting your resources with a focus on, on a special aspect. The benefit of AI is I don't need to create all of this administrative activities all the time to collect the data because if I train the system and I develop it and structure it in ways that I want to have, then the system will tell me whether I have a signal related to any aspect and I can get it every day instead of having this perhaps manually done every three months or every six months, then I'm much faster in getting signals from the market. I'm much faster in reacting and I'm much faster in actually improving my products 
and keeping up to date and protecting the patient and the healthcare system from potential problems which could happen with products which are seen not just because today if an expert is searching you would be searching in english written articles but with ai support i could widen my search to go actually over my global presence and i let my ai system to check for specific wording which could be found in other places which allow me as well to say okay there is something here do a translation and then i can see okay i have a signal perhaps in china but i didn't have it in germany or in the uk and then i can say what is happening there and i can dig dive and then i use my expert instead of having the expert searching all over the globe which is requiring a lot of resources whereas ai could be doing this based on a very fast method based on a click by the end of the day and getting the information so that means a big upfront cost but then huge benefits afterwards yeah and to, this is the point where you need to consider there is nothing which is like you buy it from a shelf and say uh, it's functioning for me so everything that you do need to be trained like we have currently everywhere the corona app at the beginning it was not that good as today now it's becoming much more sustainable because it's getting trained it's getting more information is learning much better about the interaction and the correlation between two situations are the post-market surveillance requirements as demanding under the IVDR as under the MDR? And to what degree is there an overlap? As I mentioned at the very beginning of our discussion, uh, the regulation are copy-paste. There is not a big difference. The only differences are actually the type of wording that you use there. Now, for the IVD sector, the organization in this sector, they didn't have that kind of strong regulation because 80%, as we know, weren't actually in the, under the control of notification bodies so or what we discuss about notified bodies continuous surveillance and so on will become actually applicable for a large number of manufacturers which were not having that kind of let's say uh, surveillance in the past now from a post-market surveillance obligation they have the same obligation to be met now for a diagnostic device the methods that you would be applying are not that complex like when you are doing for an implantable device but you have also high risk IVDs which kind of require also additional efforts and additional performance studies to allow them to confirm that uh, these kind of devices are still safe and performing as intended. Thank you very much, Basil, for explaining how companies can not only fulfil MDR post-market surveillance requirements, but also optimise use of the data they gather. I'm sure our listeners will find this information very useful. Thank you.